So feel free to answer this. You're in good hands with? Allstate. Good, thank you. You're in good hands with Allstate. So probably all of us have seen the commercials for Allstate with these guys. The you're in good hands slogan started in the 1950s when a sales, general sales manager at the insurance company rushed home after learning his daughter was ill. His wife, comforting him, noted that the girl was in good hands with the doctor. The manager recalled the incident at a sales meeting, and the slogan, you're in good hands with Allstate, was born. So what are the qualities that Allstate wants their customers to believe they have that means they're in good hands? They want their customers to believe that they are knowledgeable, approachable, and leaders in the field of insurance. But they also want their customers to believe that they are trustworthy, they're reliable, they're dependable. They will take care of them when there is a problem, and there's nothing to worry about if you are insured by them. Character is defined as attributes or features that make up and distinguish an individual. Moral excellence and firmness. Your character, good or bad, is made up of different qualities, and we all have a choice as to what our character will be. You know, I think we all probably strive for the same qualities as Allstate. You know, uh, being trustworthy, reliable, dependable. But these qualities also remind me of the character of God. God is trustworthy. God is reliable. God is dependable. He takes care of us. And we have nothing to fear or worry when we're in his good hands. As Christ followers, we know from Scripture and from our own experiences that we are in good hands with God. Psalm 33, 4 says this, For the word of the Lord is upright, and all his work is done in faithfulness. 1 Peter 5, 7 says, Casting all your anxieties on him, because he cares for you. Matthew 6, 25 and 26 says, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? So as we think about the character of God, I believe it's important to evaluate our own character. We need to ask ourselves some questions. Am I trustworthy? Am I reliable? Am I dependable? Do my loved ones feel cared for by me? Do people feel like they don't have to worry if they've been placed in my hands or have to worry if a task is left in my hands? Do I possess the same character qualities as God? And that brings us to the big idea this morning that we're going to explore, that God is pleased when we exhibit his character. We want to emulate the character of God. We want to be more like his son, Jesus. And I believe that God will use us for his purposes when we exhibit his character. And it's important for our witness as Christ followers that others would say that they are in good hands with us. So two weeks ago, Pastor Stewart opened up the beginning of chapter 24, Genesis, which tells us the story of Abraham sending his servant to Mesopotamia to find Isaac a wife. And he wanted to find a wife from his family, from his clan, and not from among the Canaanite women. The servant was led by God to find Rebekah, who was the granddaughter of Nahor, who was the brother of Abraham. When Rebekah tells her family about what the servant had said and done, her brother Laban invites the servant into his house, gives his camels a place to stay and to be taken care of, 
and places food before the servant and his men. But the servant would not eat until his story was told, and that, that's where we pick up this um, passage this morning. The phrase, in good hands, will be important as we study this passage and see how the character qualities of the main players fit in with it. Before we begin, let's bow our heads for, for prayer. <clears throat> Dear Heavenly Father, we praise you for, for your many characteristics. We praise you that you are trustworthy, reliable, and dependable. You care for us, and we don't need to worry about anything because we're being held in your good hands. Lord, pour out your Holy Spirit upon us this morning. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear what you want us to understand from this passage. Give us opportunities to share your good news with those in our spheres of influence this week who do not know you as their Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. So there's three points this morning to the passage, to the message. The first is witness. And this is the witness of the servant. That's found in Genesis 24, 34 to 49. This is what God's word says. So he said, I am Abraham's servant. The Lord has blessed my master abundantly, and he has become wealthy. He has given him sheep and cattle, silver and gold, male and female servants, and camels and donkeys. My master's wife, Sarah, has borne him a son in her old age, and he has given him everything he owns. And my master made me swear an oath and said, you must not get a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites in whose land I live. But go to my father's family and to my own clan and get a wife for my son. Then I asked my master, what if the woman will not come back with me? He replied, the Lord before whom I have walked faithfully will send his angel with you and make your journey a success so that you can get a wife for my son, for my own clan, and for my father's family. You will be released from my oath if when you go to my clan, they refuse to give her to you. Then you'll be released from my oath. When I came to the spring today, I said, Lord God of my master Abraham, if you will, please grant success to the journey of which I have come. See, I am standing beside this spring. If a young woman comes out to draw water and I say to her, please let me drink a little water from your jar, and if she says drink, and I'll draw water for your camels too, let her be the one the Lord has chosen for my master's son. Before I finished praying in my heart, Rebecca came out with a jar on her shoulders. She went down to the spring and drew water, and I said to her, please give me a drink. She quickly lowered her jar from her shoulder and said, drink, and I'll water your camels too. So I drank, and she watered the camels also. I asked her, whose daughter are you? She said, the daughter of Bethuel, son of Nahor, whom Milcah bore to him. Then I put a ring in her nose and the bracelets on her arms, and I bowed down and worshiped the Lord. I praised the Lord, the God of my master Abraham, who had led me on the right road to get the granddaughter of my master's brother for his son. Now, if you will show kindness and faithfulness to my master, tell me. And if not, tell me, so I may know which way to turn. So the servant is giving witness to Rebecca's family about everything that has happened from the time that Abraham commissioned him 
to find a wife for his, for his son until the present, with a couple variants. There's a lot going on and a lot to notice in this long narrative. The length, the detail, and the retelling of the story shows how important this story is to the continuation of God's promises to Abraham. The servant begins by identifying himself as Abraham's servant and informing the family of his master's abundant wealth. He's not modest as he lists all that Abraham owns, such as sheep, cattle, silver, and gold, etc. This list reflects what Abraham acquired in Egypt and Gerar. It's a more comprehensive list of his wealth than we have seen before. He also tells him that Sarah is born a son to Abraham in her old age, and that the son has been given all that Abraham has. He's enticing Rebekah's family to agree to allow Rebekah to marry Isaac. But why does he begin with Abraham's wealth? Well, he wants her family to believe that the son of Abraham has the wealth to take care of her. But I also believe that the servant noticed that his gifts to Rebekah brought out a materialistic character in Laban. In verse 30, we notice that as soon as Laban saw the nose ring and the bracelets, he heard her and heard Rebecca's story, he makes a great show of hospitality towards them. He's probably thinking there's a lot more where that came from. The servant twice mentions the oath he took to find a wife from Abraham's family and not from among the Canaanite women. This shows the importance of finding a wife from Abraham's family. Baldwin says, the success of this enterprise, talking about the, of the Jewish nation, was dependent on the separateness of the people of God. That was a necessary condition for developing a counterculture that would reflect their walk with God. We notice that the seventh servant never mentions that Abraham commanded him not to bring Isaac down to Mesopotamia. He probably, he probably thought it would give the family the idea that they needed to meet him first before giving their okay. So up to now, the servant is focused on Abraham's wealth and, and with his kinship to uh, Rebekah's family. Now he turns to how the providence of God has led him directly to Rebekah. He recounts his prayer to God to show him the right woman and how God answered that prayer and answered that prayer before he was even done praying. Then the sign that, she was, that he was waiting for was fulfilled when she offered voluntary to water his camels. Further verification came when he asked Rebecca whose daughter she was. And she answered that she was the granddaughter of Nahor, who just happened to be Abraham's brother. The servant knew that the Lord had led him to exactly the right place at exactly the right time to find the exact right woman. He knew God was in control of all that happened, so he bowed low and worshiped the Lord. So now the servant asked Laban and Bethuel to show him the same kindness and faithfulness that the Lord showed Abraham's servant in finding Rebekah in the first place. He wants them to act in good faith, the same way the Lord has, and make a decision one way or the other. If they say yes, then he can take her back to Isaac. Or if they say no, he can move on and find someone else. We see certain character qualities in the servant and Rebekah. And these are the reasons why the Lord chose them to play such an important part in the next installment of the blessing to Abraham and his descendants. You see, the servant was loyal. He was patient. He was determined and he was humble. 
He had integrity, and he had a heart for prayer, thanksgiving, and praise. He praises and worships God every time he answers his prayer. And that brings us to the first next step on the back of your communication card. My next step is to be a person who prays before I act and to praise and thank the Lord for answered prayers. So we also see, see the character qualities of Rebecca. She was generous, she was kind, she was friendly, she was hospitable, practical, and hardworking, as seen in volunteering to water the servants' camels. As Pastor said a couple uh, weeks ago, could have been like 83 trips. She was definitely a Proverbs 31 woman. The servant and Rebecca were able to be used by God for his purposes because they exhibited his character. And I believe that God will use us as well for his purposes when we exhibit his character in our daily lives. The second point is willingness. And we see this in the willingness of the bride to go back with the servant to Canaan. And that's found in uh, verses 50 to 61. Follow along as I read those verses. This is what God's word says. Laban and Bethuel answered, this is from the Lord. We can say nothing to you one way or the other. Here's Rebekah, take her and go. And let her become the wife of your master's son as the Lord has directed. When Abraham's servant heard what they said, he bowed down to the ground before the Lord. Then the servant brought out gold and silver jewelry, articles of clothing, and gave them to Rebekah. He also gave costly gifts to her brother and to her mother. Then he, he and the men who were with him ate and drank and spent the night there. When they got up the next morning, he said, send me on my way to my master. But her brother and her mother replied, let the young woman remain with us for 10 days or so. Then you may go. But he said to them, do not detain me now that the Lord has granted success to my journey. Send me on my way so I may go to my master. Then they said, let's call the young woman and ask her about it. So they called Rebecca and asked her, will you go with this man? I will go, she said. So they sent their sister Rebecca on her way, along with her nurse and Abraham's servant and his men. And they blessed Rebecca and said to her, our sister, may you increase the thousands upon thousands. May your offspring possess the cities of your enemies. And then Rebecca and her attendants got ready and mounted the camels and went back with the man. So the servant took Rebecca and left. So Laban and Bethuel say they realize that the Lord has been at work in this matter. They give their consent for the servant to take Rebecca back to be Isaac's wife as the Lord has directed. It's interesting because this part of Abraham's family was probably not following the one true God as Abraham had been doing for the close to 100 years. Stenberg says the Mesopotamians undergo a process of discovery that brings home to them God's management of the world. And Hamilton says it is not the servant, Abraham or Isaac, but rather their God that Laban and Bethuel find persuasive. God was in total control of this situation. The servant then worships the Lord for their positive answer. He provides the bride and her family with costly gifts. So this would have been seen as the bride price and the mohar, which would compensate the bride's family for taking her away from her family. We notice that the servant gives the gifts to Rebecca's brother and mother. 
and not to the father. So it seems that the father had only been brought out for the initial negotiations. And it is possible that, that, that this was a normal practice for the brother and the mother of the bride to take the lead in these type of things. Finally, after the servant has recounted the story, after Rebecca's hand in marriage had been given and the gifts handed out, the servant and his men can now eat, rest, and spend the night, knowing that the task was satisfactorily completed. The next morning, the servant announces that he is ready to leave and take Rebecca back to marry Isaac. So now this may seem abrupt, but he may have been worried that Abraham would not live long enough to see his new daughter-in-law. The family pushes back, wanting Rebecca to stay for them, with them for another 10 days. This was probably normal, so the woman could spend some time with the family, knowing that they may never see her again. It would also have made sure that the marriage arrangement was on the up and up. <clears throat> but the servant pushes back as well. He kind of plays the God card. He says, now that the Lord has granted him success in his journey, he wants him to send him on, on his way. It was important for the servant to return to his master to report on his success. We see a determination to finish the task at hand as another of the servant's character qualities. So we notice the family calls Rebecca. They leave the matter in her hands. And without hesitation, she says she will go with the servant. She recognized the will of God for her life and was willing to follow that will wherever it led. The sermon and obedience to the will of God were some of other Rebecca's character qualities. You know, we also need to be discerning the will of God for our lives. And then we need to be obedient to that will. And that brings us to the second next step with back to your communication card this morning, which is to listen, discern, and obey the will of God for my life. When our character aligns with the character of God, we can be better equipped to listen, discern, and obey God's will for our life. Once Rebecca has decided to go, her family sends her and her nurse with Abraham's servant and his men. It's interesting if you notice that neither Abraham's servant nor Rebecca's nurse is specifically named in this passage. As Pastor Stewart said a couple weeks ago, Abraham's servant may have been Eleazar, but we aren't told for sure. And later in Genesis, Rebecca's nurse is named as Deborah. But the reason that we're not, we don't give their names is so we focus on the major characters in this passage, who are Rebecca and later on Isaac. So the last thing that Rebecca's family does is bless her. Notice they did not invoke the name of the Lord here, but they bless her to increase in numbers to thousands upon thousands, and that her offspring would possess the gates of, her, of their enemies, meaning they would conquer their enemies. It is significant that these blessings mirror the blessings that God gave to Abraham. Matthew says the author, talking about the author of Genesis, is declaring Rebecca the divinely chosen instrument who helps realize the promise made to Abraham and his descendants. Rebecca's character is equal to Abraham's, and she exhibits the character of God, which means the fulfillment of the divine blessing is in good hands. And after, blessing, we see, after the blessing, we see Rebecca, 
her maids, Abraham's servant and his men, they get on their camels and they leave for Canaan. The final point this morning is called welcome. And it's talking about the welcome of the bridegroom, which we see in Genesis 24, 62 to 67. Again, this is what God's word says. Now Isaac had come from Beer Lahai Roy, for he was living in the Negev. He went out to the field one evening to meditate, and as he looked up, he saw camels approaching. Rebekah also looked up and saw Isaac. She got down from her camel and asked the servant, who is that man in the field coming to meet us? He is my master, the servant answered. So she took her veil and covered herself. Then the servant told Isaac all he had done. Isaac brought her into the tent of his mother, Sarah, and he married Rebekah. So she became his wife, and he loved her, and Isaac was comforted after his mother's death. So the narrative now turns to Isaac. It seems that since we saw him last, he's changed locations from Beer Lahai Roy to the Negev. What's probably happened is that in the time it took for the servant to go to Mesopotamia and back, Abraham has set Isaac up with his own homestead in the hopes that the servant's mission was successful. And we notice that one night Isaac is out in the fields meditating. This word could mean prayerful or contemplative or even lamenting. We can only wonder what's going through Isaac's mind. He's lost his mother, who he was very close to. He's awaiting news of whether the servant has found a bride for him or not. And it's possible that he is lonely. And that Abraham has set him up with a homestead, but has not stayed with him there. He's probably regularly calling out to God in the pain of his mother's loss, in his loneliness, and in the uncertainty of what the future might hold for his life. Our text says Isaac looks up and sees the camel approaching. Then it says Rebecca also looks up and sees. To look up and see indicates that what is about to be seen is important. And what is important is that Isaac and Rebecca get their first glimpse of each, of each other. We're told that Rebecca gets off her camel. It seems at that time and place it was unladylike for a woman to be on a camel in the presence of a strange man. Don't ask me why. She asks the servant who is the man that is coming to meet him. And when he tells her that the man is his master, she covers herself with a veil. We notice that the servant now refers to Isaac as his master. We've already heard that Abraham has given everything he had to Isaac, and this now includes his servant. She puts a veil on her, she puts her veil on, and that marks, is a mark of chastity, modesty, and submission. Her face would now be covered until their wedding night. <laughs> the servant reports to Isaac all that has transpired. And then a number of things happen as we end the story in the chapter. One, Isaac brings Rebekah into the tent of her mother and marries her. This signified that just as Isaac has replaced Abraham in the blessing, so has Rebekah replaced Sarah. Rebekah now becomes the next mother in line to fulfill God's promise to Abraham that he will become a great nation. Two, Isaac loved Rebekah. Now remember, this is an arranged marriage. And the couple probably didn't start out loving one another, but they fell in love with each other. And their marriage was more than just a marriage of convenience. 
Lastly, Isaac was comforted after his mother's death. It is clear that Sarah's death deeply affected her son. Rebecca's arrival would prove to be a source of solace and support. There would be good balance and compliment in their home. Other character qualities of Rebecca in this section are that she was alert and expectant. She was waiting to see the man who she would spend the rest of her life with, and when she saw him, she obeyed God's will for her and became his wife and a comfort to him. She was also chaste, modest, and submissive. But we also noticed some character qualities of, of Isaac. He had a quiet and patient faith. He was seeking after the Lord as he meditated in the field. He showed grace and humility as he humbled himself to take Rebekah as his wife because the Lord had arranged it and ordained it. <clears throat> in his sermon titled, Think Hard, Stay Humble, Francis Chan told about a man named Vaughn who radiated the love of Christ to everyone around him. There were a couple of guys who had came to Francis' church who said that they were inspired by their former youth pastor, a guy named Vaughn. The next week, a person named Dan told Francis, I know Vaughn. He's the pastor in San Diego now. And he takes people into the dumps in Tijuana where kids are picking through the garbage. I was just with Vaughn in Tijuana, he said. We would walk in the city, and these kids would run up to him. And he would show such deep love and affection for them. He'd hug them and have gifts and food for them. He'd figure out how to get them showers. Dan continues, Francis, it, it was eerie. The whole time I was walking with Vaughn, I kept thinking, if Jesus was on earth, I think this is what it would feel like to walk with him. He just loved everyone he ran into, and he would tell them about God. People were just drawn to his love and affection. And then Dan said this, the day I spent with Vaughn was the closest thing I've ever experienced to walking with Jesus. Hearing this made me think, this is Francis talking, would anyone in their right mind say that about me? Would anyone say that about you? And as I thought about this, I prayed, Lord, that's what I want. You know, I don't want to be the best speaker in the world. That doesn't matter. I don't want to be known as the most intelligent person on the planet. That's not what I want to be known for. I want to be known for someone saying, wow, he looks a lot like Jesus. You know, God is pleased when we want to and strive to be more like his son, Jesus. He is pleased when we exhibit his character. Earlier, I put forth that each of us need to look into our own hearts and evaluate our character. Does our character fall in line with God's word? Do we daily exhibit the character of God in our lives? Which brings us to the last next step, which is to evaluate my character to see if I'm exhibiting God's character in my life. If we are, that's great, and we need to keep it up. If we aren't, then it's time that we make the necessary changes to align our character with his. As the praise team comes forward to lead us in a final song, let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, help us to be a praying people. Help us to be a thankful people for answered prayer. Help us to listen, discern, and obey your will for our lives. And help us to evaluate our character and align it with yours. As we leave this place today, give us divine appointments with those who do not know you as their Lord and Savior. And use each of us as witnesses to your love, your holiness, and your salvation. 
In Jesus' name, amen. For Mark, would you stand with us as we sing this song, You Always Provide? We see again how God provided uh, the, the right answer. God provided the next woman, the next matriarch in this line uh, to bring about um, his covenant, his, his promise. And so let's just worship the Lord together. Thank you.